Before I start this special edition of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, just a quick note of thanks to Sora Shimazaki at Pexels, who took the photograph which adorns the cover art. Let's crack on with it. Welcome to this special edition of the Financial Crime Weekly podcast, where we look at the proposal of the UK government to introduce a new offence to the Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill, which is currently making its way through Parliament. The proposal, of which we don't have a draft, but from what has been trailed, appears to mirror the offence of failure to prevent bribery, which is under Section 7 of the Bribery Act 2010. This podcast looks at the proposal against the background of that failure to prevent bribery offence. So let's start with an overview of that bribery offence, which can be found under Section 7 of the Bribery Act 2010. Now, under that provision, a commercial organisation commits the offence of failing to prevent if a person associated with the organisation bribes another, intending to obtain or retain business for the organisation or obtain or retain an advantage in the conduct of business for the organisation. The offence is linked to the active bribery offences of Section 1, which is offences of bribing a person, and Section 6, which is bribing a foreign public official. The individual does not have to have been prosecuted for the Section 1 or 6 offences in order for the Section 7 offence to engage. Note, however, that the Section 7 offence is not linked to the passive bribery offence under Section 2, which is offences relating to being bribed. Nevertheless, bribery training tends to be over-inclusive and is frequently required of all staff and associated persons, which is the language of the statute, whether or not they have the ability to bribe by having access to the organisation's funds. The offence is a so-called strict liability offence. That is, it is not one which considers mens rea typically a requirement of criminal offences. This is because of the identification doctrine, the attribution of the mind of an individual or individuals to the company. This individual would typically be a senior person within the corporation. However, attributing to the company the state of mind of an individual is not a straightforward thing. Indeed, it's especially problematic in large and multinational corporations where the senior individuals may be at some significant distance from the act which was carried out. This makes it difficult to argue attribution. The strict liability approach of Section 7 significantly clears the path to prosecution. However, to say that an offence is strict does not mean that a corporation can do nothing to deflect prosecution. Under Section 7, it is a defence for the organisation to show that they had in place adequate procedures designed to prevent persons associated with it from undertaking such conduct. The adequate procedures defence, as it is, does not necessarily impose strict compliance on the organisation to have adequate procedures in place, but it is sensible legal risk management to see that there is at least something in place to see that bribery by associated persons will not be tolerated. This would usually take the form of training, frequently over-inclusive, as I indicated, and the development and implementation of policies and procedures around payments, and much more, frankly. One rider is worth noting, 
and that is that while it would generally be the case that no obligation to impose compliance procedures arises under Section 7, if the organisation concerned operates in financial services, then regulatory obligations may well require compliance processes to be in place. As the Financial Conduct Authority Handbook provides, financial crime risk includes the risk of corruption as well as bribery, and so is wider than the Bribery Act scope. And we may take action against a firm with deficient anti-bribery and corruption systems and controls, regardless of whether or not bribery or corruption has taken place. Principle 1 of our Principles for Business also requires authorised firms to conduct their business with integrity. Further, the Financial Conduct Authority provides that while it does not enforce or give guidance on the Bribery Act, quotes, firms which are subject to our rules, SYSC 3.2.6R and SYSC 6.1.1R, are under a separate regulatory obligation to establish and maintain effective systems and controls to mitigate financial crime risk. Adequate procedures is not defined under the Act, but the Secretary of State is required to publish guidance under Section 9 of the Bribery Act 2010, and the Ministry of Justice has published such guidance. Despite the guidance, uncertainty remains over what would amount to adequate procedures for the purposes of Section 7. It is fundamentally something which is difficult to judge since organisations differ in the size and scope of their business and therefore in their risk profiles. Therefore what the guidance does is it offers six principles which should inform the procedures which an organisation puts in place in order to present, prevent rather <laughs> bribery, not presented. With all that said, what do we know about the government's proposal to table an amendment to the Economic Crime and Corporate Transparency Bill so as to introduce a failure to prevent fraud offence? Well, thus far it's produced a policy paper and that provides a half-decent starting point, but it's a bit thin on the ground. Nevertheless, what we can glean is this. Under the proposal, an organisation, this is a quote, will be liable where a specified fraud offence is committed by an employee or agent for the organisation's benefit and the organisation did not have reasonable fraud prevention procedures in place. It does not need to be demonstrated that company bosses ordered or knew about the fraud. In terms of the organisations to which it will apply, the policy paper provides a decent level of detail. The offence will apply to all large bodies, corporate and partnerships, including large charities as well as unincorporated public bodies. Large organisations is defined as meeting two out of the three following criteria. First, more than 250 employees. Secondly, more than 36 million pounds of turnover or thirdly more than 18 million pounds in total assets. The failure to prevent offence will be tied to a range of offences which are listed in the policy paper and I'll list these. They are fraud by false representation under section 2 of the Fraud Act 2006, fraud by failure to disclose information under section 3 of the Fraud Act 2006, Fraud by abuse of position under Section 4 of the Fraud Act 2006. Obtaining services dishonestly under Section 11 of the Fraud Act 2006. Participation in a fraudulent business 
Section 9 of the Fraud Act 2006. False statements by company directors, which is Section 19 of the Theft Act 1968. False accounting, which is Section 17 of the Theft Act 1968. Fraudulent trading under Section 993 of the Companies Act 2006. And the common law offence of cheating the public revenue. The offences listed may be amended by secondary legislation in the future. In terms of avoiding prosecution, large organisations will need to demonstrate that they have in place reasonable procedures to prevent fraud. That's at least the language that is used by this policy paper. It's difficult to draw much by way of commentary from what has been provided, but there are certainly a few things that I think we can say. First, I recognise that this is a loosely drafted policy paper. It's not a draft of the statute. It's certainly not a, an initial draft of the clause. It is interesting that the language indicates that failure to have reasonable fraud prevention procedures in place might well form an element of the offence, which indicates that it might be making that a compulsory part of compliance obligations rather than discretionary or directory, as it might well be interpreted to be under the Bribery Act 2010. However, I'm not entirely sure that can be right. I think that must be wrong, but I may be wrong, and we'll wait and see what the devil of the detail is when it comes out, whenever the government chooses to publish it. Secondly, on that point of the defence of reasonable procedures, it's curious why the language of the Bribery Act 2010 has not been adopted. Again, it is a policy paper and not a firm draft of the provision, but it does raise the prospect of reflections being needed on the difference between adequate procedures and reasonable procedures, and whether the approach to be taken is one bedeviled with semantics or actual substance. One hopes it is the former, it's a merely semantic thing, but the thing I would hope for most, and I'm sure those with compliance obligations feel the same, is that by the time this proposal becomes a firm draft, the language of the defence to the failure to prevent bribery offence and the proposed failure to prevent fraud offence will align. That will certainly make things a lot easier and may in fact reduce the implementation costs. Thirdly and finally, I do have a niggling concern with the definition of large organisation. I just feel it's set too high. I understand, given the information which the government has provided, why the level has been set there. First, there's the established approach of the Companies Act 2006 on which it is based. Secondly, there's the possible burden on business. If we look at the Home Office Impact Assessment on the introduction of the failure to prevent fraud offence covering large organisations, which was published in November 2022, we get an indication of the compliance burden. The estimate is that it will have set-up costs of between £357.6 million and £451.8 million, while estimated ongoing costs are £47.1 million to £61 million. Presumably, this compliance burden is better borne by the broad shoulders of large organisations, but fraud typologies do not necessarily conform. Broadly, the reform has been welcomed from the press release the government produced. Lisa Osovsky, who's the director of the Serious Fraud Office, said, The new offence would be a game-changer for law enforcement, bringing the law on fraud in line with bribery. As the UK's 
top economic crime prosecutors. This would help us crack down on fraudulent enterprises, compensate their victims, and ultimately protect the integrity of our economy. While in the same press release, Andrew Penhale, who's the chief crown prosecutor for the CPS, said, The new corporate offence of failing to prevent fraud is another important measure to drive better corporate behaviours and will complement existing measures for prosecutors. Larger corporates will fail to put in which fail to put in place reasonable measures to prevent fraud being committed by their employees may be held criminally liable for that failure. At least the public, uh, the publication that is of the amendment, gives us something to look forward to. Until that point, it's all mere speculation, but reasonably well-informed speculation. That's the end of this Financial Crime Weekly Podcast Special Edition. If you want to do so, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll hear from me, all being well, with the usual Financial Crime Weekly Podcast this coming Sunday. Have a great weekend, everyone. No, have a great week, everyone. Thanks very much. <laughs>